Over the fall of 2020 and spring of 2023, photographer Janelle Lynch retreated into Amagasin in upstate New York to embark on a new body of work. Little did she know that like many of the great musicians and creatives of her time, the retreat into nature and isolation would allow her true voice to bleed through. Walking alone surrounded by trees and endless sea, sitting in front of shifting shades of blue, a quiet ocean breeze carrying away the noise of the city. Janelle used her own body, botanical and wildlife remains to give birth to soft, beautiful shapes that she called endless forms most beautiful. The Prussian blue and wispy whites of the cyanotypes that she created, which is one of the oldest forms of photography for those of you who aren't familiar, were certainly beautiful. But they were also pure and mystical and slightly eerie ephemeral forms that could be gone in a blink of an eye. She called them angels and sprites. I see an endlessly beautiful woman erupting with grace into the world. My name is Rosario Lebrija Razvetayev, and this is Sublime Art, a podcast that brings you artists from all mediums whose work calls on the sublime. Today, we speak to Janelle Lynch in her studio in New York City's West Village. Janelle has three monographs published by Radius Books from her time living in Mexico City, Barcelona, and her series Another Way of Looking at Love, which is how I actually met her when she was nominated for the Pripite, the leading award in photography and sustainability. Janelle's photographs have been shown worldwide and are in many private and public collections around the world, including the Met and ICP in New York and the Victorian Albert Museum in London. True to her form and to my surprise, she started the interview by remarking, I looked beautiful. It's just really nice to look at you. <laughs> Thank Here's you so beautiful. much. <laughs> I mean, this isn't really part of the podcast, but... Um, it makes a difference to me. That was a wonderful way to actually start. That was unexpected, and a lot of people can't take compliments. I'm not one of them, so thank you so much. <laughs> My love language is definitely um, words, so thank you. Uh, but I'm, I'm very excited to be here with you in New York, in your studio, because it does have that gentleness that you've always had, and that stillness, and you know, I'm a very quick person paced person mm -hmm. and you really ground me you make me slow down so thank you so much mm -hmm. for receiving us here mm -hmm. well it's my pleasure um yeah i i don't know if you will necessarily um have that reverse effect on me i think i'm gonna stay in my <laughs> my my slow uh tempo here that's nice though that, that's it's actually nice to to be a bit slower mm -hmm. and it's what i've been learning this past few months mm -hmm. um but we are excited to be premiering this episode during a very special week for you in London. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about this week? Yes, yes. Well, uh, that week begins uh, June 4th. Um, so on, on June 7th, my new body of work, Endless Forms Most Beautiful, um, will open at Flowers Gallery in their uh, Kingsland Road space in Shoreditch. And then um, on June 10th, Saturday, June 10th, a film, a short documentary film that Mia Allen has made about me and my work uh, will premiere at the gallery. And um, 
and I'm so delighted that you will moderate a discussion after the uh, premiere with me and Mia. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited as well. You know, it's it's really a delight to talk to you always, and I really can't wait to see you know what the film holds mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. This new body of work is incredible. It's very naturally tied to what you've done before, mm -hmm. but it is it's in a way for me um, much more explicitly magical. Mm -hmm. You know, your work has always had this magic. Um, you know, you have. When I, when I met you, you had this work of, you know, a forest and there was a natural um, heart forming, mm -hmm. you know, which is kind of magic, magical in its own way. But this new body of work, it really, I think, pulls on something mystical and mm -hmm. magical of humanity. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about this work? Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. Thank you for seeing that and um, feeling that in the work. Um, so I started Endless Forms Most Beautiful uh, in the fall of 2022 in Amagansett, New York, on the eastern end of Long Island. Um, I was on a self-designed uh, residency there in a home that was um, very generously lended to me. If one lends a home, I was lended a home on the beach. Um, and I was there for six weeks of, um, and I was completely alone, so in solitude. And I mention that because the, um, the solitude, I think, was one of the key factors that enabled what transpired in the work to transpire. Um, I was alone and, um with only a bicycle for transportation. And so very isolated and also um, I felt very safe, very physically safe. I was, so it's the off season there in the Hamptons and there were few people around. There were days when I didn't see another person. It was also a brand new landscape. You know, I've never worked along the ocean before. Well, I had the ocean on one side of me and a nature preserve on the other side. So I was as close to heaven as I could be. And, you know, really very much um, feeling like I was in contact with the heavens. So I began by, um, I think you know that my process is very intuitive. And I, I was compelled to um, collect remains um, on the beach and in the dunes. So wildlife remains and um, driftwood and sea plants. And I began cyanotyping them. I can, you know, speak now, several months later, about what was compelling me to cyanotype them. In the moment, it was just this very visceral need. I started cyanotyping them as a way of making a record um, of their life, memorializing them. C can you tell our listeners what a cyanotype is? Because yes, some of them of might course. not be photography experts. Sure, absolutely, yes. Um, the simplified uh, explanation of a cyanotype, a process that was invented in 
1843 in England by Sir John Herschel. And it uses two um, chemicals, two non-toxic chemicals that when combined become light sensitive. So potassium ferrocyanide and citric ammonium um, citrate. And um, they are um, brushed, combined and brushed onto um, paper. And when the paper dries, uh, the surface is then ready to use, and I put um, my objects onto the surface and bring them into sunlight. And depending on the time of day, the, um, the geographic location, um, the season, uh, the, the quality of the weather that day, the exposure can be between... 20 minutes and let's say an hour. So the, the, the paper turns various uh, colors during the exposure and um, it begins when it first goes out into the light, it's uh, chartreuse. And then it turns like robin's egg blue and um, it darkens and then it turns a kind of silvery gray and then when it's a warm uh, gray. Um, the exposure is done and it's um, processed or, or um, the process is finished simply in water. I rinse it for um, in a bath for 20 minutes and as it's rinsing, um, washing, the blues begin to reveal themselves where the paper has been covered by an object, that area remains white, the white of the paper. And the, the areas that have been hit by, touched, not hit, touched <laughs> by light. You could um, never imagine you hitting anyone. <laughs> um, turn blue. They don't turn this beautiful Prussian blue immediately. In fact, part of the... Um, magic of the process, and it is a magical process to me, is that um, the blue darkens as the print dries. So I, in this house where I stay, there's a loft with five beds, on, and after I wash the work, I bring them upstairs to the loft, and I put them to bed to dry, and um, the next morning they're dry and they're, the blue has darkened and they are, you know, if everything has gone well, and believe me, everything doesn't always go well, um, uh, they are a beautiful, deep, rich uh, Prussian blue. It's a, it's a spectacular blue. It's, it evokes so many feelings in me when I see it, you know, and I, I first came across Cyanotypes with Anna Atkins, um, which I'm sure has influenced you. But, uh, but yeah, what does this blue mean to you? It's, it's so mystical to me. It, just, it calls on such a primitive part of, of my uh, human experience. Oh, amazing. I love that. I wonder, my God, I wonder if that is because we, in fact, emerge from the ocean, you know, from the water. That's, by the way, where the the title of the body of work comes from. It comes from the last lines of uh, Darwin's On the Origin of Species. 
and endless forms most beautiful. And while his words are firmly grounded in um, the world of atoms and molecules, um, these words also can suggest the afterlife, you know, our experience once we leave this physical world, which is very much what I'm, you know, exploring in this work. Um, but to answer your question, blue, it connects me with the heavens. But because I was in front of the majestic Atlantic Ocean every day, um, I, I feel like the water most definitely informed the work and um, <clears throat> even informed what what came, <laughs> the imagery that presented itself. So, so the heavens, water, um, distance, I think it was um, Goethe who said blue is the color of distance, um, or maybe that was John O'Donohue. Um, so, um, yeah, those things, those mm. things primarily. And before I interrupted you about cyanotype, so people understand what we're talking about, yeah. uh, you were talking about you know capturing the life of these yes. uh, plants, and, mm -hmm. and and then obviously it was it was you, which we can talk about. But first, I want to ask you about the sprites because I love that. We're just talking about <laughs> mystical and magic and myth and all these these lores. Um, tell us about the sprites. Yeah, okay, I'd love to. Um, well, I pull them out of the flat file, but they are. Um, They are at the Framer in London. They, you will see them in the show, um, three of the sprites. Well, I set up an angel visitation station in the house. And angels and sprites and fairies visited. And so I cyanotyped them. They began small. I actually do have some angels here. Did you see the angels when you were here last? Oh. I don't think so. Oh, okay. So they started small, and um, they got bigger, and then that's Blue Pixie across the room. Um, when Blue Pixie appeared, I instinctively knew that I needed to bring in my own body. And um, so that was about, uh, probably about, a month or five weeks into the residency, I started cyanotyping my body. And one of, the, one of the many reasons that the medium is right for me in my search right now is because it is allowing me to explore my deep kinship with nature in a way that the lens-based camera my medium, my 8x10 camera, cannot. Uh, so I am literally um, combining my body um, with uh, botanicals, fallen. Everything is, everything is either fallen, like mm, rescued or retrieved from, from the from the beach or the dunes, or I am laying, um, I am putting my body over a low-hanging 
coastal pine branch. So the branch first on the paper and then my body over it. And sometimes I'm, well, I made them in different ways. So they were 30 by 22 inches. And it felt important to me that yeah, my whole body except my head was on the paper. And I think that what, you know, in addition to this chance to be as close to nature as possible, I think what else was um, emerging there, the notion that we are all, we, plants, humans, animals, of the same atomic essence. And that sameness, I assert, is um, a call for unity in this world. How long did, did you have to lay there? <laughs> I'm just wondering, I'm just trying to picture you yeah. naked in yeah. the woods, exactly. like trying to do these cyanotypes. Yeah, well, um, not just naked and, you know, out, outside, um, but on a 30 by 22 inch piece of paper, which, you know, isn't very big. Um, so I was, I was really contortioning, quite curled up. Um, probably 45 minutes or so to an hour. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that sounds like a, quite a sight to walk into. I would have <laughs> loved to see that. Well, the wonderful thing is that nobody was going to walk into it, which is why I was able to yeah. do it. You know, that, that total safety and security and privacy. And um, I think that, I think that, you know, the, the work um, benefited from that. 100%. I mean, it speaks for itself. And I like that you're talking about inwardness because I think... You know, your work has always struck me. You know, it's always been amazing and beautiful and unique. But this one, as you say, the, the past series that you've had have been, in a way, looking at the world. The first time I came across your work was through the Pripikte when I was managing that project, um, the Photography Prize, and you were shortlisted for another way of looking at love. Mm -hmm. and, and you had such a unique way of looking at the world. But these ones particularly strike me because you're looking into the human condition or the I don't know the you also talk about animals and plants I guess mm -hmm. it's like the you're looking into life and out of one of these images of you curled up in the forest came this almost um, mermaid-esque oh. figure that I mean I'm obsessed with that I'm obsessed with it I wish I could have bought it from you because it really is I think the most incredible um, figure but but it I like that you didn't include the heads because it's you know it, it applies to almost everybody mm. you know a, a woman mm -hmm. you, you really truly captured I think the essence of, of, of woman in that mm -hmm. well wait until you see what happened in April when I went back out for another residency. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Those, so after you were here in March for a studio visit, I went back to Amagansett for a very intense uh, two or so week residency. And um, I brought with me a roll of paper that I use when I draw, so it's 44 inches wide and 10 meters, um, and I s cyanotyped my body, Wow! my full body. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I'm so excited now. Oh my gosh. Um, but going back to the, the residency mm -hmm. and, you know, spending all this time alone, mm -hmm. there's so many artists, not only 
painters and photographers, but also mus musicians, you know, uh, Bon Iver, who go and retreat into, if it's the woods, it's the woods, but sometimes it's the, you know, the ocean or wherever it is, and, mm -hmm. and kind of this isolation brings out something sublime. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about what your experience has been with that and mm -hmm. whether, you know, all artists should be doing that? <laughs> Yeah, well, um, other people have spoken for our, all artists. Rilke has uh, implored the young poet in letters to, to go inward and to find solitude. Um, so without contact, and the, my contact was with myself and with nature and the divine. Mm. I was in a vast expanse of nature. I was, you know, in the past, like on my former property where I made another way of looking at love, three acres, houses around, a home that I shared with, um, with others. Here in Amagansett, you know, again, I'm alone and in front of like the Atlantic Ocean. Um, the vastness of the ocean, the vastness of the sky, the, the daytime sky, the night sky. Um, it was one sublime. It was, it, was a, it was like a living sublime experience. Yeah, I, I, I completely understand because I've been reading up a lot about the sublime because of the podcast, of course. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the sublime has been defined in so many ways. It started out um, with nature. It started out with this veneration and that feeling that you have, as you say, um, you know, when you're standing in front of the ocean in, in, a, in a cliff and that overwhelming feeling of, of beauty and, you know, that feeling of smallness um, mm -hmm. of, our, of our life and of our experience compared mm -hmm. to that majestic. Mm -hmm. And there has just been something so special about living in front of the ocean, you know, I go out and I write and I look at this endless blue and it's healed me and mm. it's softened me in ways that I didn't know I needed. I didn't know were there. Mm. So I completely, completely understand where you're coming from. Have you always been attracted to nature and the sublime in nature? I, you're not wearing shoes and I find that so great. I came in and you were not wearing shoes and I said, you cannot put shoes on for this podcast. I mean, this is, this is you in your natural state, but have you always had that since inclination since you were a child? Um, um, yes, I want to answer that, but I it, was, want to, it was packed. I, want to, I just want to say how much I relate to what you just said about being um, in front of the ocean and it being healing and it healing you in ways you didn't know that you needed to be healed, I completely relate to that. Um, it was very much a part of my experience during my residency. It was integral. Um, in terms of your question, yes and no. Um, I was, I recall being very drawn to, um, to water uh, as a child and loving swimming. Um, I grew up in a small town in western New York State, so far from the ocean. You know, the, the curious thing to me is that I appreciated nature as a young person, but not 
in the way that I have come to as an adult. And I think I came to understand nature and appreciate nature and its transcendent power, not in nature, but observing my grandmother have her own transcendent experiences looking at nature. My grandmother, uh, Josephine, raised me. So it was primarily her and me in the house. Uh, my grandfather was present uh, for the first four years of my life and then passed when I was just four. My, some of my earliest memories related to nature were um, observing Nana, I called her, at the kitchen window, um, looking with awe and reverence um, at light, at the pine trees, at um, deer, at rain, and nothing moved her out of her otherwise um, somber, very quiet, somber state. Um, nothing else moved her in the same way that nature did. And sometimes I just watched her stand um, at the kitchen sink and look out the window above the sink. And sometimes she invited me to join her. And I was six, seven, and um, the window was high above the kitchen sink. And on my tiptoes, I could barely see out of it. And I didn't need to. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't matter to me to see necessarily what she saw. What mattered most to me was the chance to be close to her, the chance for that, that connection. What those experiences instilled in my very young consciousness was nature's transcendent power. Because most of your work does deal with nature, moving on from your latest work, which people can see right now in London. Um, tell us about some of your other series. I mean, we briefly touched upon another way of looking at love, which mm -hmm. is how I came to know your work. That young yearning for connection that I just described, um, or biological need manifested in my photographs in the landscapes where I lived and worked. Um, so New York and then Mexico and Barcelona. I started working with alternative processes in 2019 after an experience. And from there, I started making um, photograms Photogram is a process very similar to the cyanotype process, and but they are made uh, exclusively in the darkroom on uh, photographic paper and with the light of the enlarger. I am increasingly interested in um, in a fuller experience of authorship in my photographic work in in direct contact, unmediated contact with materials um, and, and being uh, liberated from the restraints of representational realism that are inherent in a camera-made image. 
So mm. um, really very curious about the what might manifest between the synergistic connection between the materials, the paper, my touch, my body, and my imagination. And, and also increasingly curious about, and not just curious, it's not just a curiosity, it's a need to um, explore a few things, to explore the possibility of um, connection between not just connection, but communication between the material and ethereal worlds in the possibility of um, the, the, the paper, the image, holding the spiritual or energetic essence of the materials that have been in contact with it. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> and I, I really... I don't even have words for what you just said because I think you know you have such a unique way of working and such a unique way of looking at the world and the fact that you're bringing that back into the paper. Um, I just add so much to each individual work. Um, but I, I think we're running a little bit out of time, mm -hmm. unfortunately. So I just want to ask you, because I'm curious myself, mm -hmm. um, because I'm sort of going through this transitory moment as well, How do you keep such a unique and soft and beautiful way of looking at the world in, you know, you live in a very fast-paced and sometimes aggressive energy? Yeah, um, so, well, I'll answer the first question first. Um, I, many years ago, um, began a commitment to mindfulness practices. Um, particularly the teachings of uh, the Buddhist teachings of the Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. I've learned about being sensorially attuned and connected to my body and aware. And I do, as as an introvert, I do really um, need to have a lot of time alone and regenerate that way after. Um, in social situations, which I do enjoy as well, but um, uh, listening to what I need and giving myself that kind of quiet um, time and space, um, I think is, you know, essential. Um, and then in terms of, I think that actually I might have just already answered the second part of your question, which is about, you know, being isolated working um, as I have been and um, I think we're all ready to go take a retreat now <laughs> and we're all going to leave the city and it's time to do that <laughs> oh my gosh uh, definitely I, I, I have needed that in my life um, but yeah you're right I mean I think, I think we all get caught up in the fast paced nature of the world we're living in and it's very difficult to make time for you know you wake up and you already have 10 calls and 10 emails and 10 you know uh, texts that you need to immediately answer or something's gonna happen but but you're right like nothing will happen nothing. you need to go to your room chair and read a little and have a meditative not open your phone the first thing you do which is important but um but thank you so much for your time this is always it's always such a 
sublime experience to see you. Really, it is. Uh, it's it's so calming and it's it's mindful and it's beautiful. And this space is so beautiful and magical. Um, and and anybody who's in London, please do go see the show in Flowers Gallery, which is open now. And uh, and do check out Janelle's work. Where can they find you? Um, well, on Flowers website um, and on my own website, JanelleLynch.net, and on Instagram, um, Janelle two underscores Lynch. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for welcoming us into your space. Thank you so much, Rose. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you, as always. <laughs> If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. You can also follow us on Instagram at Sublime Art Podcast. Don't miss our next episode where we explore the sublime with another artist. <laughs>